Hey, Damon. Hi, Jeremy. How are you? I am doing okay. How are you? Also okay. Okay. Well, that is what I wanted to talk to you about. When the levels and lines of how we feel go up or down more dramatically than the okay register. I wanted to talk to you about feelings management. Now, one of those feelings already has a well-known kind of management term, anger management. (laughs) But there's definitely fear management. There's sadness management. There's envy and upset and discomfort and a host of other feelings. And I guess one of my questions is what to do with feelings, when to have them, and when to repress or redirect. I think they get a bad rap, and there's probably reasons for that. You know, it's not good to just sort of melt down everywhere over everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you deal with, like, athletes and crucial events and executives and key moments and, you know, even youth that are in high-pressure social situations, even if they're everyday situations. Yeah. And I guess I'm wondering for myself and for all of us, you know, what your take on feelings is sort of hmm. what, where, when, how, uh-huh. or, or, or how to run away. Yeah. Feelings are, I think they're informative is the first word I would, I would use. And I think that within that kind of framework, if you, if you frame feelings to be information then there is a potential to work with them and have them, you know, create some data for you. And, and, and by no means is that easy because let's just go with anger. When somebody is kind of hijacked by anger, they are no longer in the front of their mind. They're no longer in the prefrontal cortex part of their brain. They are in the amygdala which is sounding alarm bells. And as soon as that goes off, a whole host of physiological things occur that prepare us to fight, flight, or, or flee. And so naturally, that would be uncomfortable for us if we no longer, number one, feel we have control, and number two, feel like we have any capacity to kind of mitigate the situation. So what's happening in, you know, when we are kind of drenched in in feelings, you know, has a little bit more to do with how our brain is interpreting the moment than our senses. And I think that down that rabbit hole, we're going to we're going to find I think some more clues as to what they are and how to manage them. So for example, just to give you a quick story, if, if say for example I'm working with a professional tennis player and they are they're having struggles or challenges with you know choking, getting too nervous to be able to perform, you know, tasks that they usually are capable of performing. The 
you know, intuitive response from a person who's in that state is to either repress them and, you know, grind it out, deny that it's even happening, sort of feign that you're calm and cool, or to, you know, sort of have that feeling sitting on your shoulder or ready to kind of pounce at moment's notice. And in any one of those cases, we are giving the feelings way more power. And frankly, we're mislabeling the feelings a lot of the time. So as counterintuitive as it sounds, the advice that I give the pro athlete who, you know, let's just, let's just put some skin in the game. Let's just say that if they win this match, they are, you know, they win a tournament and they get an ATP point and they win a hundred thousand dollars. And as it stands right now, they're scrambling and scrapping and may, may have to retire because they can't seem to break in. So there's a lot riding on this moment. And, you know, the collective eye roll that, that I, I observe when I give this piece of advice is really across the board and but but it's this (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's this it's notice it and turn your attention towards what you're feeling and notice what it feels like in your arm when you're when you're feeling nerves when you're feeling those nervous uh feelings through your body notice what you're saying to yourself in your mind and essentially is sort of, you know, pop psych as this sounds, it's kind of a name it to tame it type situation. Mm, Name it to tame it. So if you say, I'm nervous, or do you say, I'm nervous, I'm going to screw this. I I think I'm going to screw this. I'm feeling like I'm going to screw this up. What's, what's, tell me, be more concrete even in how I name it. Yeah. So it's not even the, the event. It's, it's strictly about what you feel inside of yourself. So you could say, my forearm is tight, my heart is beating very fast, my mouth is dry, and just being with those feelings goes a long way to dissipate. It's not that it just goes away, this isn't some magic pill remedy, but it it trains your brain to downshift from the DEFCON 1 you know, nuclear option. And by noticing what you're feeling, it is information for your brain that says, wow, I suppose if he is curious enough to know what's happening in the body, then he's not in that much danger after all. And so I can go back to just doing what I normally do, which is pump blood, you know, beat the heart, keep the organs functioning, etc. And you've basically taken the brain off of DEFCON 1 and probably shifted it, you know, maybe more to DEFCON 3. And then in that moment, you can pivot and get back to the task at hand. I feel like, you know, in my own head, at least, how you're feeling and what you're feeling are two different things. And how I'm feeling is a name. And it's mm-hmm. like sad or angry. And what I'm feeling is sensation and it's physical and it's much more descriptive. Mm-hmm. So you said name it to tame it. 
and I almost feel like it's like uh, describe it to prescribe it <laughs> or <laughs> the prescription is description. If I can start saying what's my actual physical experience of the feeling rather than just sort of saying what the feeling is, then that's where the taming comes. Is that resonate or seem true to you? It does. And there's even more. If you are able to describe how you're feeling with more granularity, so instead of just saying, I'm nervous or I'm mad, if you can dig a little deeper into your bag of words to describe things, or even frankly, make up a new word, that that is that goes a long way to shifting that sort of the, the default setting of danger in, into more of an expansive curiosity. And the what kind of, rather than how, describe what you're feeling. I don't know if that is just in my own head. The what sort of seems to be in much more granulated bits and pieces, whereas how seems the big picture that's maybe too encompassing and, and sort of gets swallowed by the label. Right, yeah. Uh, I have my clients fill out a daily emotional ID. That's what I call it. And it's really, it circles right around what you're talking about right now. If at, at any point during the day, you know, I, I can ping one of my clients and they can, I can ask them, you know, simply to fill out this, ask these, you know, answer these couple of questions. And, and one is, you know, what emotion are you feeling right now? And what I've done is, is I've created a long list of descriptors and then also uh, they can select other and they can, you know, choose their own word. How accurately do you feel with your assessment? And then where in your body do you most feel this? Mm. So on a day-to-day basis, it's, you know, it's essentially an emotional granularity check-in plus body scan. And the combination of the two is incredibly impactful, even if what you're feeling is uncomfortable or in more in that kind of negative valence territory. And and, and if we go back to the brain, our brain is budgeting what uh, it needs to dole out to the body. So if it's stuck in this more general sense of, you know, us using language like, I'm so stressed, well, then the brain actually takes that information and says, Okay, we we're we're in a in an emergency emergency situation. We need to stop pumping blood out to the limbs and bring it bring that blood to the organs. You know, any other digestion is at this point in time, you know, extra curricular or superfluous to our survival. And so, but none of those things are helpful for us to, you know, thrive and live in a more nimble, versatile uh, state of being. And certainly uh, in my wheelhouse where I, I really try to put, have people put flow in the center of their, their lives, it's certainly a blocker to that. So that emotional ID slash body scan, once we start to build that as a habit, um, we are now looking internally, but we're doing so with a little bit more of a curious microscopic precision type of way. And believe it or not, that's really calming to the nervous system. So say I'm in a meeting and I feel attacked Mm. and I'm scared and I'm angry. Mm -hmm. 
should I <laughs> do? So do I say I, I'm scared and I'm angry? Maybe that's step one. Name it to tame it, and mm-hmm. then I'll add my own step two. But the prescription is description of, and I start saying I'm feeling this in my arms, or I'm feeling this in my stomach, or my shoulder is tense. Yeah, and then. It just feels so real time. Yeah. What happens or what should I do? What should I say? What should I do? And what if, you know, I'm to speak? Yeah. And and what if I'm justified, if you will? What if somebody, you know, said something that's upsetting? Do I act calmly? Mm. Do I use anger? You know, I'm just, I don't even know what to say about, yeah, when it's appropriate to sh- or useful to share or when it's to be sort of tame so it can be ignored. Yeah, talk me through right. that, a situation like that. Well, I mean, this is where the real talk has to come in. And there's no hack for this. In fact, there's there's really no hacks for most most everything. It's time on task. Grit really is time on task with a a more longer term goal. So in this case, if the longer term goal is to be able to manage being yelled at in the meeting where my body turns flush and and I get this rush of, you know, adrenaline through my system, my thoughts start to narrow, my vision narrows, I'm hurt, you know, all of those things, you know, without training, without the lead up, the, the mental reps, if you will, there's no shot. You, you know, there's no way to be able to improvise or manage your way out of that. So that said, this is the type of thing, as I mentioned, this emotional ID survey and body scan, I have extensive experience using this now with, with many different people. And I would say after 30 days, this is starting to become ingrained. It's starting to turn into uh, a habit like you would brush your teeth. And why is that important? Well, it's important because then in that hot moment when, you know, the you know what hits the fan, I am going to drop into the level of my training. And my training, if I've been, you know, spending time, description, prescription, name it to tame it, will be able to allow me to potentially create just a a little bit of space so that I, I have the wherewithal. Um, at the very least, to continue to to perform up to the level that, that I expect of myself, even in the midst of feeling all of those, you know, quote unquote, uncomfortable feelings. Should you say them out loud? It depends on the situation, I guess, like at a tennis match. Yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe you should talk to yourself, maybe you shouldn't, you know, but you yeah. just don't talk, you're, you have like a literal opponent at a meeting, I guess it depends you know, if what your sort of power and what your structure and what your security and what your comfort level is, right. Or discomfort level is, you know, should you say I'm upset or I'm scared or I'm feeling shaky in my arms or is that internal because that's kind of crazy talk or so outside of the norm of, of most conversations in a professional and even personal way. I mean, it's not out of bounds to to think about that as a suggestion, but I would always come back to N equals one and that each person is going to be different for, you know, what will 
sort of release a little bit of pressure in that moment. I do know that, you know, for, for some people, you know, what works really well, humor, making sort of a sarcastic joke about their own, you know, foibles or all those feelings that they're having inside using, using a little bit more creativity to your, to the boardroom question though, is it out of bounds for the person, you know, if we're the one who is hurt or, you know, feeling the the negative feelings to say, when I hear you say that, it makes me feel, you know, X, Y, Z, or, you know, maybe something a little potentially less, you know, counselor-y, you know, would be to say something along the lines of, you know, those, that's a, that's a big statement that you just made right there. And and I, you know, I'd like to take a second and really process that Mm. acknowledging that something happened, but not that it didn't knock you off your game can be really powerful, not only to, to mitigate your own uh, nervous system in that moment, but to, in that group social moment dynamic, you know, to deftly uh, address the issue without uh, being, you know, fully consumed by it. And I think that might be the takeaway point, uh, you know, in terms of this particular thread that we're down is to acknowledge what it is that you're feeling without being consumed by it. And, and so that can, you know, there's a whole host of ways to try to do that. And we've named a few with this, you know, labeling it with a more descriptive word, using some humor, you know, naming it to tame it, just uh, identifying where in your body, but that the ultimate goal is to pivot off of that and get back into your body and get back into the task at hand. I like that. I just want to repeat it. So I get one of my reps. (laughs) Yeah. That's a big statement. I'm just going to need, take it. I'm just going to, that's a big statement. I'm going to take a second to process that, or I'm going to need a moment to process that. That's a big statement. I'm going to need a moment to process that because it's not pouring fuel on the fire. It's actually slowing it down. It's just sort of saying this happened. Now I want to take a beat, but it's not pointing a finger. It's not making an accusation back. And it's really hard to argue with the statement you know, that's a big statement. I just need a moment to process it. Right. And uh, what, you know, what else it does is that it, it makes it so that the person who made the statement is going to review the statement as opposed to review your statement. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't given them something they need to hit back. They're right. going to kind of go back. So it's, it's sort of secretly saying you're going to take a moment to reflect. on. Yeah. That. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's quite deft in a dojo sort of way. Mm-hmm. Are feelings like to be overcome and pivoted from, or is there, are there times to dwell in the feeling Hmm. and you know, I've seen all sorts, you know, seemingly opposite advice, even from the same speakers where it's like these feelings or the ego talking and you have to transcend this. But also if you have a feeling, feel it immediate, notice it as soon as possible and feel it completely and don't, don't, you know, push it and go away. And maybe those aren't contradictory, but can you untangle that to me? I can give it a try. 
Well, one thing that comes to mind is that, you know, I think this began in the military, Navy SEALs, and I know Google employs it now, at least some in some capacity, but that when what we're trying to build is this triple loop learning model. Hmm. And so, you know, if you think about you know, single loop learning is you learn something or you do something and then you kind of reflect on it. You know, double loop is it, you know, I'll, I'll use tennis just because that's so close to my vernacular. But if, if you're say, it's like you play a match and then after the match, you think about the match, uh, double loop is you play the match and then somebody videotaped the match and you watch yourself play the match. And then triple loop is you're playing the match and watching yourself at the same time. And why would that be important? Why also can be a little bit dangerous because you could become completely neurotic or just narcissistic, always just sort of thinking about you. But this is where, to me, if you're not doing the the front-loaded work around establishing your own personal philosophy, for example, or establishing a... Uh, a clear set of values that you that that defi- that you want to be defined by. How do you want to show up? What matters to you? You know, when you look back on your life, what do you what will you what do you want to be most proud of? And if we do those things, you know, beforehand, then this triple loop model, in a way, helps us to to move in the direction that we that we have already established that we want to go, or that or to embody the the type of person that we wish to be and so our to your original question about feelings are they are they to be suppressed or manipulated or overcome or you know lived with i i think it really in the moment entirely depends on you know how you have established your foundation for what matters to you and if you haven't done that feelings in my opinion are going to gobble you up because they are hot and they are strong and they're and the chemicals that get released when we when we experience feelings have a dramatic up effect on our perspective and our ability to to stay alert and calm and grounded and so if we don't know what we stand for generally speaking it's it's really difficult to get to have a relationship with feelings now if we do know what we stand for and if we do say for example recently i've been setting an attention setting an intention in the morning for how I want to show up and this lately it's been calm so in the morning I wake up I do breath work and then I also set the intention that no matter what happens in, during the day my 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 intuition and my just my overall disposition is to to enter whatever that moment brings me first with a state of calm and so that now if something that would typically set me off occurs, which of course happens all the time, I have brought to the front of my mind this intention to be calm. And so if I feel certain feelings that maybe would have produced a snarky response on my part, or if I felt hurt and so I secretly sort of just brooded and didn't say anything for a little while, I am aware that those feelings are happening through me, but I'm also more aware of the fact that my intention of the day of th- this particular day was to be calm. So did I push feelings aside to choose something else? Not really. I, I noticed and was 
very aware of the feelings as they were occurring. I just chose not to react off of those feelings in uh, response and in service to something in my, in my judgment and my brain's judgment is of more of higher order. I'm picturing a tree and I'm picturing feelings as weather. Maybe it's events that are weather and our reaction to them is the feelings. I don't know mm-hmm. if this metaphor is going to work, but, mm-hmm. and then I'm picturing the intentions and the values that you're talking about, the philosophy as the roots. Mm. And if you're rooted, you're still going to get, you're going to blow, but you're not going to get knocked down and you're going to have this sort of centering element. At the same time, I feel like I came to this with like uh, like a final exam without my homework. I'm like, oh, I didn't know I needed to come to this conversation with, and, <laughs> and every conversation apparently and everything that happens with prepared life philosophy and intentions. Mm. So you've given me a daily intention of calm. Mm-hmm. What is your life philosophy? Mm. Not Not to be incredulous about it. I think I could certainly improvise and I certainly feel like I have values, but I don't know if I've done that work to... Mm-hmm. Um, planted in that same way that you're talking about. And I love it. I just feel like I'd be inspired and could maybe copy some mm. <laughs> uh, of your, yeah, what's, yeah, let me, yeah, show me your life philosophy and I'll yeah. show you mine. Yeah. yeah, right. I There's a social psychologist named Adam Grant and he has, his clients often do create a user manual, and, you know, and his shtick leading up to it is, hey, look, you know, you buy a skateboard you get a you get a little manual telling you how to put on the trucks and if you buy a car obviously you get a whole book a manual describing the whole damn thing but humans we don't we are supposed to just assume guess play off and improvise how to engage with one another and so his practice is to if say a new employee came in that it would be you know the the within the organizational culture to say, Hey, nice to meet you. You know, my name's Damon. Hey, here's my user manual. And it's the things that, that, you know, on a productive level, you know, set me off, kind of push my buttons the way, what kind of language I use, what kind of language I respond to, what, what gets me going and gets me excited. What am I, you know, what, what kind of creations am I interested in? And in that way, we can then meet one another in a more stealth way so, so I was really inspired by that and I started to do some research and, you know, mentor of mine, Dr. Michael Gervais, he's a clinical psychologist and a sports psychologist. He is most known for working with the Seattle Seahawks, but he, his model is for creating, helping somebody facilitate a personal philosophy is having some guardrails and some parameters. And one is it's got to be under 25 words. So under 25 words. And his prompts are, you know, do a little research about people you admire and, and, you know, what do they say? What, you know, what are their actions and take some notes, jot down and also do some research on words that, that you really feel that, that activate you. And I think his is, you know, every day is an opportunity to create a living masterpiece. Mm -hmm. And, And I'm like, damn, okay. I mean, that's cool. I mean, that's feels really optimistic and and powerful. So so that's that's sort of the framework around it and and you're right. I think one of the 
through lines and most of the things we're talking about is that it's important to do the 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 work up front before sort of you know kind of interjecting in into a situation and the way i like to kind of visualize that is there's there's the practice zone and then there's the performance zone and so for for you know let's just say you and i were working together and this was some something that was intriguing to you you know we would frame it around that all right we're going to go into the practice zone here i want you to you know be curious about different people that inspire you and write down words that pop out and you know maybe maybe write some haiku you know do some things that are kind of distill down but also allow you to just sort of find patterns out there that that you like and 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 that's all in the practice zone and so uh, it should be fun all of this you know front loading work shouldn't be a slog it's it's your life after all you know i mean and so so that's that that's a fun process and you and know 25 words is just not that long you can do it i mean you can just do a bad job and make it better pretty quickly that's what i think yeah and and doesn't at the end of the day everything just isn't everything a process always anyway and and so coming up with the final product is sort of kind of counter to to what i believe in that things are always moving and always changing and you know let's come full circle back to feelings and maybe this you know the the imagery around you know i live on a lake and sitting you know in a swing at the lake and across the lake there's you know trees and then obviously the sky and let's just say i'm watching a thunderstorm just barrel in you know, it's very calm right now, but I can tell in 10, 15 minutes. And it does. It barrels in and it's just a doozy lightning and, you know, just massive amount of rain. Well, feelings to me are, are like that, where they, they show up and they just, they surge through us and they make their presence known. But, you know, it would be silly for me to get in my car and chase that storm <laughs> unless I was, you know, employed by the Weather Channel, you know? So, in time, still in my same swing, that storm passes and the sun comes back out again, or it's breezy or it's overcast, but something different happened. I still stayed in, in that seat. And to me, I, that the, the imagery around that, at least on a personal level, and I've noticed that with people I work with, really resonates. Like, oh, I don't have to you know, describe, judge, def- beat, defy, a thunderstorm. I just sit there and appreciate its power and its beauty. And, you know, soon enough it's gone and I'm, I'm still here. And, and that's really kind of the takeaway message is that if you treat feelings with the proper pr- proportion of your attention, they come and then soon enough they're gone and you're still there. I guess I'm imagining a process, say I'm upset with someone or someone says something that upsets me. And then I have that feeling and I name it and I describe it. And then though, I guess I check my intention or philosophy or game plan and I see, well, how was this or was this challenged by this Hmm. remark or this action? And if so... You know, is this an obstacle to the mission I've chosen for myself in life or in this engagement? And 
you know, if so, let me respond from that kind of principle that I have as my roots rather than the feeling that's whipping around me, even if the feeling is, is, is more the signal to go back down in the bunker and go read the document again, mm-hmm. that it's your roots. Is that, this is kind of how I'm translating what you're saying. And mm-hmm. I feel like that could still happen pretty quickly because mm-hmm. it can just sort of, I feel like it could be actually really comforting to like a teddy bear to kind of go back to like, what are my intentions and what is my philosophy mm-hmm. and think about how this fits in but maybe I'm making it way too complicated. I, I love it. And, but I, I do think there's sort of a, a protocol that, that has to be followed. And the first one is to not get triggered to the point where you, your nervous system gets hijacked. So if you have any opportunity, if you have any hope of actualizing what you just described, you have to do it from a place of being alert and calm. You can't do that from a place of being stressed and, you know, anxious, or at least it's a hell of a lot harder, you know? And so, but, and then the last thing, what you just articulated with, with language happens in like a millisecond. And to me, that's where it becomes, you know, the Jedi type stuff where at first, sure, you have to cultivate awareness and name the feeling and, you know, associate where it is in your body and maybe quickly identify with your value system. And, you know, what's the most productive thing I can do in this particular moment to return serve based, you know, that this person just threw something at me and what's my retort. And you, in time, I think this triple loop learning thing kicks in where you're, it's in real time where you're feeling the feeling, but you're, but you're splitting your attention between feeling the feeling and staying connected with the person that you're with or staying connected with what it was that you were really you know, addressing in the first place or staying connected to how what that person said impacted you, which, you know, as we know, we, we don't want to go into any a social situation as you know, the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-seeing one, you know, and convincing somebody else that we're right all the time. And so by by bringing a little bit more attention to the feelings that are going on in us, we also can notice when something impacted us that that person said something and ooh, that that hit me somewhere. And that can be a really powerful beacon to learn learning something new and growth. So if we're not defensive about oh boy, this this they hurt me, this feeling if we're more curious and open-hearted and open-eyed, we might actually, you know, walk away feeling like, wow, I really, I evolved. And by evolving, I feel even closer to my values. So th- there's that whole element of it too. My sister's a HR consultant, human resources, and she talks about the video camera test. Hmm. And why by that she means when you start talking about other it's sort of why it's not a great idea to talk about other people (laughs) (laughs) and certainly to make blanket statements about them. Mm. And it's like, he doesn't care about the job or she's not as committed as we are, or he's angry all the time. And the video camera test is like, would that be shown on a video camera tape? Mm. And you can be like, so what would be shown is she came five minutes late to the meeting. 
Hmm. Or he slammed the door. Hmm. Those are things that are external and objective. How somebody, you know, is internally or how they feel or their level of commitment, that's not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to speak to the external realities is sort of the only thing you can do that won't be further inflaming and frankly fair because you're probably wrong <laughs> if you're uh-huh. guessing, you know, what's going on with somebody else in the sense that, you know, our lives seem so complex and variegated and we know all the little things that other people aren't aware of, mm. but other people, it seems just much more black and white. Like he's a mm. jerk or, you know, she's flaky. Right. That's a great point. Yeah. I also remember training I got in dealing with other people. <laughs> right. You know, we've been so ourselves centered, but the sort of video camera shifts that a bit. Like, what if somebody else is so inflamed by their feelings? And in a way, your calmness can almost stoke them because the fire wants to get bigger. You know, they, they're sort of seemingly just trying to make a point, quote unquote, or mm. get this done or move forward. But really, the feeling has taken over to the point where it really wants an argument, And I call that the sort of chattering teeth situation. Like Hmm. if my wife and I get in that situation where it's like, I don't even know what I think or feel. Hmm. I don't know if she knows what she thinks or feel. But like once we're like, you know, if we're inflamed or something like that, then it's just like those those chattering teeth that you like wind up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then they just chatter. And I'm just like, oh, she's just wound my chattering teeth. I'm winding her chattering teeth. Now they're just like chattering at each other via us. And like, I don't even, can we just go, can we just actually, can we take like, can we take five and just let the teeth chatter it out? (laughs) You know? So I don't know. Does that, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. My gosh, that's, that's amazing. And, and if there's, if there was any way for you to, while you were in, you know, your normal. Well, now I try to recognize it. Yeah, right. Well, and even uh, what I was going to say is like make a joke o- about it, you know, over dinner when you're having a beer and you're in good spirits with one another. Because if you can create that common language that is kind of funny too, I mean, that's so funny. Like a couple of sets of chattering teeth going at it, you know, and, and so it, you're almost just like giving up. You're, you're acknowledging the fact that your nervous system was hijacked. And, and the deal is, is our nervous systems talk to one another. So if one person's teeth start chattering, especially in a relationship, it winds up the others. Oh, it's just, you know, it's a no brainer. So to turn this into some kind of, you know, not that you're not taking it seriously in the moment and you're still going to, you're not going to think it's funny in the moment, but if you can become more aware of it, like you said, and both of you become more aware of it, then it's really powerful. I think that's got a a sneaky uh, amount of potential positive. If if you're collecting data on whether that works or not, I think it's going to work a lot. If the teeth are wound, Mm. Do they have to do the chattering? Is there a danger in just holding it shut? Or is it just going to have to chatter anyway? Or is Mm. this something like, do you have to kind of say your point? Or it just won't have been satisfied and it's going to come bite you later because you put the teeth in your pocket? (laughs) Or is it more like a cup of water and you need to pour out the water before you can fill it with something else, but you don't have to necessarily 
pour it on the other person. You can like talk to, uh, I'm just like, now I'm getting this yeah. from like my, you know, daughter's, you know, third grade kind of school uh-huh. counselor stuff that she takes home, like coloring sheets, but it's like, just talk to a friend or journal about it. Maybe, I, I don't know. I, I don't know right. if, if that's just too easy or do you have to chatter it out with the person somehow? I think there's a little bit of danger in counseling to talk to a friend or journal about it or to eat, to to think of this as something that you can fix or that in a way it implies that you need to get back somewhere because you've you've lost you've you're 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 out somewhere that you shouldn't be and you need to get back i actually think of it more like like a blowhole so every so often you know a whale surfaces and just spouts some water out of its blowhole and creates you know that freedom again to go back down and do a deeper dive i i think it's i think if you're if you're putting energy to to suppress it if in some sort of unconscious way it's got some sneaky power over you and you're trying to be you're trying to walk through it with like that fake smile yeah no it's good i'm good no everything's fine right then then uh, then i would say it's that's not productive if you think about it from an athletic standpoint i would rather have somebody if they're frustrated because something you know they didn't uh, you know succeed in their tactic and they lost the game or whatever and they and they had to have a little emotional outburst that's fine. That to me is the blowhole. The The real trick is a little phrase that, that I have been using a lot lately, which is don't judge the drift. And so if the person can have that little outburst and then get, get back into routine, get, get back into sort of the deep now, be here now, you know, be, mm. be present without bringing that moment with them to then analyze or a residue of it, then I think the blowhole is a genius thing. Easier said than done. Don't don't judge the drift. Don't judge the drift. Okay, I'm saying it out loud. I'm getting okay. some reps. I like it. And so yeah. So say I'm, we're in a moment. I'm in a dispute with somebody. They're winding my teeth. I'm winding their teeth, and they're chattering. What if I see it happening, but I still just physically want the you know to like get my chatter out mm-hmm. you know how, how do i do that or should i just be like just just have a higher perspective and say actually it is okay to, to pinch them and hold them shut and let this person chatter theirs out and then i just won't actually care outside of this moment because the weather will change or, or or do i just need to say my piece i think you have to say your piece most of the time i think sometimes that that first that strategy you just suggested can work but i would say more times than not what happens is when you cultivate more awareness which is what you're talking about you know practicing right now like i want to be more aware when i'm chattering when my teeth are chattering in time that you you can still have your teeth chatter but but with that newfound awareness you're still now you're not hijacked your nervous system is still there and when your nervous system is still there you can recognize patterns you can remember to stay in your prefrontal cortex which is going to help you remember what you care about who you want to be and how you want to be it so you're still chattering, but potentially you went from 
you know, a rating of, you know, R rated or NC 17 down mm-hmm. to a PG 13 or PG and maybe even a G. So you, you found a way to like expel the, the blowhole, but in a way that was more like, uh, you know, a nice fragrance than some kind of an- <laughs> anthrax, <laughs> you know? I mean, it seems like if people are winding each other up, then the problem is it will just be perpetual. And I guess what you're saying is express, but breathe between expressions. So you're getting less wound up each time. So you're not just clamping it, but you're diminishing it. Is that... I, or or is it just going to go on forever? I mean, that's the danger of expressing it over and over and just you set you you re- have your release, but that sets them off, which then they release, which sets you off. I think that if if in your value set this matters to you, then you should go down all of the roads that we're discussing now. But if it's just if this is just conversation and it's just something that you really don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about or feeling like it you know affects you too greatly one way or another, then the chances are that 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 individual is not going to want to spend the time cultivating the awareness and such. But if, if, if the inquiry is because, you know what, I actually want to get better at this and I want to be somebody that is allowed that I can have my teeth chattering, but still feel at the end of the day that I can sleep with myself because I still kind of represented myself authentically. It wasn't, you know, getting wound up, as you said, or triggered, or we, I went nuclear. Like those are the things that we want to avoid. And, and I, for me, that matters a lot because I, I, I'm the type of person that was really, you know, we talked about the drama triangle a little bit before here, but I would fall in, I would try to rescue everyone. And then when they didn't reciprocate, I would turn in the victim. Mm. Right. And, and so that's just that combination became, then I would just kind of, shut down and, and then every so often would have an outburst you know no one cares about me yeah. right and, and that then all of a sudden then i felt shame because that's not what i wanted to be and so i ultimately i, I tried to a- address it uh, on the tendrils out there but until i actually said to myself well is, how do i want to be right then then i actually could kind of reverse engineer it and start to feel some kind of self, you know, you, you're you're more fascinated with the progress you're making in the area when you've already kind of said, "Hey, this is an area where I want to be something." And now your brain, now you've kind of like got your brain interested, and we and we're focused on it, and we find the patterns, and we start to become kind of fascinated. And to me, that actually changes some of the. the the vitriol in those chattering teeth because you're kind of running the experiment on you. But it took the pain points for me to, to really get there. It took the shame. It took wanting to make a change. And so I, I think this is one of those things. It's like, well, if you're kind of listening to this and you're like, eh, yeah, I'm all right. I, I, I you know, I get it. This is interesting, but it's not something that I'm going to, you know, you know, write on my to-do list. Then I think you have to respect that. It's not for the faint of heart, I don't believe, to, you know, make these kinds of micro assessments on yourself and constantly trying to, you know, do this triple loop, triple back summy learning, you know, I mean, it's because the danger is you get sucked into you and you then you're not paying attention to the, to the world around you. 
as well. Yeah, I mean, it's so different whether your intention is peace, which maybe says, let it rest. Or if it's integrity, which says, you know, is this contradict my value? <laughs> I've got to, you know, speak my peace. Or if it's justice or, you know, anything else, or if it's creativity, you know, conflict can be generative even if that's your intention. You just don't want to kind of be blown by the feeling of the moment and and not have a sense of control, which I think is key. The sort of transition from I am this feeling experientially to this feeling is happening to me mm. to this feeling is happening. Mm. And I think when you get to this feeling is happening, then it is more like weather. And even weather can be like that. You know, I'm getting drenched. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, the weather is attacking me versus it's raining. So, you know, that really resonates. And I think doing that work in advance is, is kind of like <laughs> your raincoat or whatever other gear you have to kind of weather those moments. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's spot on. You know, they did a study on like the most high functioning teams. The Google did the study. And after it was super robust, long, you know, well researched and the number one uh, metric for high functioning teams was psychological safety and and it, it wasn't to be psychologically safe so that you didn't have arguments or it was some sort of utopian scenario it was psychologically safe enough to have your teeth chatter and be able to come out of it and have people not hold you specifically to that you know if you are the thunderstorm and then if then people see you and all they see is the thunderstorm that's not very safe to to open up and to be vulnerable and to try to continue to learn grow adapt make mistakes fail in the spirit of you know genuine authentic don't movement. judge my movement. drift don't judge my drift don't it's or you know you want to be with people who don't judge you yeah because you also have to you know I had a professor in college who always said you know if you don't if you don't go off on tangents you'll just keep going in a circle <laughs> <laughs> and so you know you also have to have drift even That's if right. it's going to be wrong direction sometimes so bring us to a happy place <laughs> <laughs> or a calm place or a righteous place or wherever place you think we need how how, you know, should we be rooted or centered or intended, if I just made that word up, at the, at the end of our sort of feelings management? Well, how about if we finish with just a quick guided scan okay. and ask to get in your body, get into the moment, pay attention the different sensations that may be arising, different tensions that exist. And let's start with the top of your head, just noticing down your forehead, down the back of your head, past your ears, just looking for tension, looking for sensations. Just getting, becoming more aware of our full whole selves down your neck down your shoulders 
and just sort of feel that scan kind of oozing down shoulders into your lower back and abdomen, down your midsection, down your legs, through your knees, calves, down into your ankles and your feet, all the way to your toes. And on your own, without my voice, just take a few seconds and work your way back up from your toes all the way back up to your head. I'm going to do it as well. I think you said it well, Jeremy, that feelings, they don't have to be sort of a mono color. So if anger is red, you don't have to be consumed in red. These splotches of red throughout you, but not consumed. And then soon, soon enough, that shade will, that hue will change. And learning how to get the reps in is number one. You have to do as you did, repeated the language, don't judge the drift, don't judge the drift. It visualize and use imagery to sort of create type of person you want to show up as, you know, set out pre-mortems where you see potential conflicts in your near future. Think about how you want to respond. Think about those feelings, those uncomfortable feelings coming through you as you imagine that potential conflict in the near future and build, start to build in some of these practices so that you can soon go from that practice zone to the performance zone. And, but number one, think about your values. What do you want to be? And if you were to meet somebody quickly, could you in 25 words, tell them what you, what you care about and what you're all about? Hmm. Thanks for the scan. Thanks for the practices. Thanks for the conversation. And I think that's, really worthy and exciting homework. I'm curious what I'll come up with. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you and being able to have this conversation. So as always, full of gratitude to be able to share this time with you, Jeremy. All right. Keep feeling. And thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Ciao. Stimulus and Response is hosted by Damon Valentino and Jeremy M. Smith produced by Matt Mullins of Black Rooster Productions. Please rate, review, and share the show. And please join us next time for another stimulating exploration of the best parts and best ways of being human and being alive.